Welcome to the One God Report podcast. This episode is called The Eternal Deity of Messiah, Micah 5, 2, and Matthew 2, verses 5 and 6. Do these passages of Scripture proclaim the eternal deity of the Messiah? Let's first start just by reading Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem Ephratah, being little among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Now in this podcast, I'm going to speak a little bit of Hebrew. Some people might be interested to hear this read in Hebrew. In Hebrew, the reference is actually Micah chapter 5, verse 1. Ve'ata bet lechem efrata, tsair liot ba'alfe Yehuda, mimcha li yetse lihiot moshel b'Yisrael, u'motsautav mikedem, mimei olam. Now this passage is often remembered around Christmas time. It's quoted in Matthew chapter 2, verses 5 to 6, to describe that Israel's ruler would be born in Bethlehem. Now, some Christian expositors and laypersons see the pre-existence or even the eternal pre-existence of the Messiah, and therefore Messiah's deity in the words of Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Particularly these words, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. However, even just a comparison of English translations reveals that the eternality or the pre-existence in this passage is not, it's not so cut and dry. Some English translations use a word like everlasting, while others translate the same phrase as from ancient days. I think a little word study and a study of the context of the passages shows that neither Micah nor Matthew were declaring the pre-existence or the eternal pre-existence of Messiah. The verse is not about an incarnation, God becoming man. Rather, the passages refer to the promise of God given to David, King David, centuries before. So what are the Hebrew words at question here. There are three phrases. They're all right at the end of Micah 5.2 in English, Micah 5.1 in Hebrew, that may or may not refer to eternality. Here are the three words. I'll say them in Hebrew too. Motsa'otav. This word is translated his origins or his going forth. Go ahead, say it again. Motsa'otav. The next word is mikedem which is translated in various ways, like this, from before or from old. Go ahead, say it, mikedem. And then the third phrase is the last one in the verse, mime olam, translated by some as from ancient days or from eternity. Now, like I said, I think a word study shows that these words and phrases in Micah 5.2 are not referring to eternity past but rather they refer to past times and events in Israel's history. I'll first have us look at some passages with the phrases from before, mikedem, and from ancient days, mimeolam. Later we'll look at Motsa'ultav, his origins. So let's begin with another passage from Micah himself. Micah chapter 7, 
verse 14, where we're going to see the same phrase from ancient days, which occurs here in Micah 5. Micah 7.14 is an appeal to Yahweh, to God. And he says, Shepherd your people with your staff, the flock of your inheritance, who dwell alone in a forest in the midst of a garden land. Let them graze in Bashan and Gilead. Now here's the phrase, as in the days of old. Okay, there it is, Yemei Olam, the same phrase. Now Israel didn't graze flocks in the Gilead and the Bashan in eternity past. Right, this is the same phrase that in some English translations of Micah 5 2 says eternity. But Israel didn't graze their flocks in Gilead in eternity past. Rather, the passage refers to a time in Israel's history, as in Moses' days, when God's people first conquered and grazed the flocks in Bashan and Gilead. You can see something about Moses mentioned in the next verse in Micah chapter 7, verse 15. Or perhaps Davidic times. When the kingdom of David extended to Gilead and Bashan. The point is, the idiom, Mime Olam, ancient days, refers to former events in Israel's past. Now, here are some more examples of the use of these phrases from of old and from ancient days. Psalm 77 has a number of occurrences of these same kinds of phrases. Psalm 77, verse 6 says, I consider the days of old, yamim mikedim, and the years long ago, shanot olamim, same kind of language. I will remember the deeds of Yahweh. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. There's mikedim, same phrase in Micah 5, 2. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. See Psalm 77, 15, and 20. So here, these phrases refer to Israel's past times, specifically in this case, when Yahweh brought Israel out of Egypt. These are the Yamim Mikedim and Shanot Olamim and the wonders of old Mikedim. Another occurrence of these same words, Isaiah 63, 9, reads, In all their affliction, he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. There it is, Yemei Olam, days of old. You can also see the words Ki Yemei Kedem and Dorot Olamim in Isaiah 51, verses 9 to 10. Same kind of phrases referring to past times in Israel's history. Let's go to Isaiah 63, 11. Quote, then he, that's Yahweh, remembered the days of old of Moses and his people. Where is he who brought them up out of the sea with the shepherds of his flock? So here we have a reference to Yahweh acting in Yemei Olam, days of old, through Moses, a shepherd of his flock. Amos 9.11, Yahweh says, In that day I will raise up the booth of David that is fallen, and repair its breaches, and raise up its ruins, and rebuild it as in the days of old. Yemei Olam. See, the phrase is referring to the past time of Israel, the days of David when the kingdom spread out. Malachi 3.4, quote, Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to Yahweh, 
as in the days of old, Yemei Olam, as in the former years, Shanim Kadmoniot, same kinds of phrases referring to past times when Israel was able to offer pleasing sacrifices to Yahweh. And one more, Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 46. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, Biamid David Asaf Mikedim, in the days long ago of David and Asaph, they were directors of the singers, and there were songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. See, Nehemiah is remembering how it was in the days past, the days of old, the days of David and Asaph. So it's clear from these occurrences in the Bible of the same words that Micah uses, right? Mikedim, from before or from old. And Yemei Olam, from days of old. That these words in Micah do not mean eternity past, but refer to events and acts of God in Israel's days long ago. As a Hebrew idiom, Olam combined with days of, means the days of long ago, days of a previous historical era, or years, that's shanot olam, years of an ancient historical era. The words days and years especially restrict the meaning to the historical human time. The time of the exodus from Egypt and the conquest see Psalm 44, 2 and 3, are especially thought of as days and years of long ago when Yahweh led his people like a shepherd by the hand of Moses, Aaron, and Joshua. David's days are also specifically recalled as the days of long ago. So when or what are Micah's days long ago? I believe Micah has in mind not a nebulous eternity past, but God's ancient promise to David. See especially 2 Samuel chapter 7 and 1 Chronicles chapter 17 and Psalm chapter 2, where God promised to David a descendant who would rule as king. Now David was from Bethlehem. David lived around 1000 BC. Micah lived in the middle of the 700s BC. The promise to David was made some 250 years before Micah lived, Mikedim, Mime Olam, from before, from days long ago. Yahweh, the Lord, the God of Israel, made a promise to David that one of David's descendants would rule over Israel. But in Micah's days, things looked grim because the greatest superpower the world had yet seen, the kingdom of Assyria, was making its way toward Judah. Micah knew that according to Yahweh's promise made long ago, Yahweh would raise up a king from the Davidic line. Even if centuries passed, Yahweh would make good on his promise. Micah's from before, from days long ago, may also relate to God's promises of blessing to Israel through Abraham some 1,000 years before Micah lived. You can see Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, or Psalm 105, 8 to 11. But Micah's mention of Bethlehem shows that his focus is on the divinely ordained monarchy of David, who was of the tribe of Judah 
and from the town of Bethlehem. Israel's hope was in Yahweh through the Yahweh-promised ruler-shepherd descended from David. The NET Bible translation, a conservative evangelical translation, agrees. The NET, the New English Translation, note on these two phrases in Micah 5.2 says, Elsewhere in the Bible, both phrases refer to the early periods in the history of the world or of the nation of Israel. And then the NET note gives a number of examples like the ones we've given above. Now, what about the phrase, his origins? Okay, Mozartav, his origins. The word translated as origins or goings forth, Mozartav, is derived from the Hebrew root yatsa, meaning to go out. The form in Micah 5 2 occurs only here in the Bible. It's a feminine noun and it's only in plural, with the one additional possible textual variant in 2 Kings 10 27. So it's a little difficult to figure out what it means since it's really the only occurrence in this form, feminine plural form, that we have. The masculine form, motza, has various meanings, which include a place or an act of going forth, right? They're all related to go out, yatsa, going forth. Or a word, a word comes out from the mouth. So that can be like a motza, an exit or an issue, something that goes out, a source, a spring of water. It can even mean east because the sun comes up out of the east. You can see in the show notes uh, other references to these kinds of uses. Now, all these meanings, like I mentioned, are all related to the root word yatsa, to go out or come out. Importantly, the word in its verbal form occurs in our verse, in the phrase, from you will come forth for me. Right? Micah 5.1. From you will come forth for me. Yetse. The ruler designated by Yahweh will come forth, go out, from Bethlehem of the clans of Judah. Now, one possibility is that the word refers to the ruler's activities, what he would do when he goes out. This is why some English translations render the phrase, his goings out. But more likely, the word means, as other English translations take it, his origins, relating to the ancestry of the promised ruler. From the same Hebrew root is the word descendant, tse See Job 5.25 and Isaiah 44.3. Even if you don't know Hebrew, you can hear that same root, tse from the root yatsa. And later Hebrew, the word for ancestry, mimotza. In association with mikedem, mime olam, remember those words? From before, from days long ago, which relate to Israel's historical past, the feminine plural form here in Micah 5.2 most likely relates to the physical ancestry, especially David's and or Abraham's ancestry. The coming ruler's origins, his ancestry, is in the promise of God, of a literal physical descendant to come from the family and dynasty of David. The next section I'll call Context, context, context. Like in real estate, what's important? Location, location, location. Well, in Bible studies, that equivalent would be context, context, context. In addition to misunderstanding the meaning of these words from before, 
and from days of long ago. The quote-unquote eternality interpretation of Micah 5.2 ignores both the literary and the historical context of Micah's prophecy. Let's first look at the literary context. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it is Yahweh speaking via the prophet Micah. Compare Micah 4.6. Yahweh says that a ruler will come forth from Bethlehem of Judah for me. That is, the coming ruler is distinguished from Yahweh. The coming ruler from Bethlehem is not Yahweh himself, but is Yahweh's designated human vice regent, who, like David, will rule for Yahweh. Also, two verses after the famous Bethlehem promise in Micah 5.4, Micah 5.4 declares that the promised shepherd ruler will shepherd his flock in the strength of Yahweh, in the majesty of the name of Yahweh, his God. Like Moses and David, the coming shepherd ruler is not God. He's not Yahweh, but he has a God and is empowered by his God, Yahweh. So you can't ignore the context that this ruler has a God, and the God of this ruler is Yahweh. Now, the historical context. The historical context of the passage is, this or this one will be our peace when the Assyrian comes into our land and treads in our palaces. That's Micah chapter 5, just a few verses later, verses 5 and 6. Micah's words were spoken when the mighty nation of Assyria threatened to conquer both the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom of Israel would be destroyed by Assyria, but Judah incredibly survived. Micah's prophecy had a certain fulfillment in the days of a descendant of David named Hezekiah. See Isaiah chapter 37, 15 to 38. Yahweh was keeping his promise to David by setting David's descendant, Hezekiah, on the throne. Micah, the prophet, knew, as did his contemporary, Isaiah, the prophet. They knew that God would stop mighty Assyria in its tracks. See 2 Chronicles 32, 20-22, in Isaiah 37-35. This victory in the days of Hezekiah was comparable to the destruction of the Egyptian army in the Red Sea. They went out and they looked and they saw dead bodies. Judah survived in the strength of his God, Yahweh. The origins were the ancestry, the Mozart, of the faithful king, Hezekiah, who became ruler in Israel. Now listen, Micah chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. When the Assyrians were in the land was from before from long ago, in David and the promise of Yahweh to David. Both the literary and historical context distinguish between Yahweh and Yahweh's appointed human vice-regent. The shepherd ruler that Micah foresees has a God and is empowered by Yahweh, his God. 
Hezekiah is only a sample or a paradigm of the great salvation Yahweh has worked and will yet work through the greater descendant of David, Jesus the Messiah. Jesus' birth in Bethlehem relates to the long-ago promise of the days of old, the promise Yahweh made to David. Now let's turn to the Gospel of Matthew's quote of our passage from Micah. In Matthew 2, verses 5 and 6, it should be noted that Matthew didn't quote this passage from Micah as a fulfillment passage. Right? Matthew doesn't say this happened to fulfill what was written. He doesn't say that in this case. Matthew simply recorded the words of the Jewish scribes who believed that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Why? Because of the Davidic promise. Next, neither the Jewish scribes nor Matthew make any reference to the eternality of the Messiah. In fact, the passage quoted in Matthew does not even include the words analyzed above that some Christians claim show the Messiah's eternality. Look in the passage in Matthew. There's no quote of this passage of his origins are from old, from ancient days. It's not in the Matthew passage. Matthew simply recorded the Jewish scribe's answer to Herod's question about where Messiah would be born. They said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Unquote. There's no mention of eternality, no mention of God becoming man or an incarnation, anything like that. They just know that as a descendant of David, the Messiah is associated to Bethlehem. So there's no declaration from either the Jewish scribes or Matthew of the eternal pre-existence of the Messiah, no mention of an incarnation of God. The words that some interpret in Micah as showing, quote, eternality, they don't even appear in Matthew. Instead, Matthew, like Luke chapter 2, verse 4, associates the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem with the promise of God that Messiah would be a descendant of David. Like David, the greater son of David will be empowered by Yahweh his God to rule and shepherd God's flock, Israel. The next topic probably is worthy of a separate podcast, but I'm going to mention it now. I'll call it Not a New Testament Exercise. It should be emphasized that neither Jesus nor any other author of the New Testament went back into the Old Testament, into the Tanakh, to find proofs or hints that Jesus is God. Such efforts are totally foreign to the New Testament. Finding proofs of Jesus' deity or his preexistence or his eternality in the Old Testament is not a New Testament exercise. It is not a biblical exercise. Finding hints or proofs of Jesus' deity in a passage like Micah 5.2 is an activity of men beginning in the centuries after the New Testament was written. Jesus and the apostles never appealed to the Old Testament 
to show Messiah's eternal deity. Never. Rather, Jesus and the apostles appealed to the Old Testament to show the suffering, death, burial, resurrection, and exaltation of the man descended from David, Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, to the right hand of God Almighty. You can see the show notes for a few examples. I challenge anybody listening, find one place where an apostle or Jesus himself or any writer of the New Testament ever quotes an Old Testament passage to show the deity of the Messiah or the eternality of the Messiah. Christians who appeal to a passage in the Old Testament to prove the deity of Messiah, the deity of Christ, should ask themselves this question. Hmm, neither Jesus nor any apostle or author of a New Testament book ever went to an Old Testament passage to prove the deity of Jesus. Why am I? So to summarize, the eternal pre-existence or the deity of Christ claims from Micah chapter 5 are based on presuppositions that force a wrong understanding of Hebrew words. The words mikedem and mimeolam do not mean eternal pre-existence, but refer to events in Israel's past. Specifically, Micah 5.2 recalls the promise God made to David long ago, centuries before Micah's day. The so-called eternality interpretation of Micah 5.1 also ignores both the literary and historical context of the passage. The passage speaks of a descendant of David who was to rule for Yahweh by the strength of Yahweh, his God, when the Assyrians came into the land. The so-called eternality interpretation also misses the meaning of the passage. Micah is trusting completely on God's promise of peace and salvation through a king who would descend from David. There is an amazing, observable sample of that promised victorious peace in David's descendant, Hezekiah. And Hezekiah is a sample which gives us concrete evidence and confidence that Yahweh our God fulfills his promises. The ultimate fulfillment of God's promise to David is in Jesus. In an even greater fashion than in the days of David or Hezekiah, Jesus, the descendant of David, will shepherd and rule God's people for God in the strength of Yahweh his God and in the majesty of the name of Yahweh his God. And then finally, the Gospel of Matthew mentions nothing about the pre-existence of Jesus in quoting Micah's passage. Neither Jesus nor any New Testament author ever appealed to the Old Testament to reveal the eternal pre-existence or deity of Messiah. Jesus and the New Testament authors did appeal to the Old Testament to show the suffering death, and subsequent glory of the Messiah. So this Christmas, if you read Micah chapter 5, verse 2, or Matthew chapter 2, verse 5 to 6, remember, this passage does not describe the deity or the eternal literal pre-existence of the Messiah or an incarnation of God becoming man. Rather, this passage describes the great promise of God 
that a descendant of David would be born in Bethlehem who will rule for Yahweh in the strength of Yahweh, his God. This is Bill Schlegel for the One God Report podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please rate it and write a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That will help others to find us and share the podcast on social media. For constructive discussion, you are welcome to join the One God Report Facebook group. Yishma'u anavim ve'yishma'u. The humble will hear and rejoice.